Hey guys, welcome back to The Breakdown. This is Ryan Turner and with me, Joe Radonis. What's hey, going on, buddy? <laughs> glad to have you back. Um, I'm glad to be back, I guess, right? Absolutely. <laughs> we, had, we had an amazing conversation today with a guest that we were so excited to have on, uh, Jordan Syed. Uh, he is a, he describes himself as a fitness and nutrition wizard. Jordan has impacted a countless number of individuals working one-on-one with clients in person through his inner circle and through social media. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Health and Behavior Science with a focus in strength and conditioning. As a Westside Barbell certified coach, a precision nutrition certified trainer, years of experience in the field, and a personal trainer to Gary Vaynerchuk, he has more than proven his place at the top of the field. From online reviews and the feedback that he shared, uh, it appears he has a far-reaching impact on many people's lives and has a way of supporting individuals even more with his personal style. He not only has followers with fitness and nutrition goals, but also professionals in the industry that are really impressed with his coaching style, which comes across as extremely honest and true to really who he is. Uh, Personally speaking, Jordan has a knack for keeping fitness and nutrition fun, honest, and effective. It all just feels kind of magical, just like a wizard should be. So Jordan, thank you so much for having been on. Joe, was this a conversation that you felt you really enjoyed? I loved it. I think um, Jordan is super respected in the industry and just his conversations. I just, I see him as a very honest and very self-aware person. Mm -hmm. So where he's coming from, you just are able to relate to him and connect to him. Um, But he just knows what he's talking about. I mean, his experience at Westside Barbell, um, Mm -hmm. I loved hearing about. I love that place and just hearing his story about how he sought it out, how he got connected but then knowing that he's got this great foundation from a training perspective, he takes time to research and understand his material before sure. he's presenting yeah. it, right? So, um, and I just think he has a healthy approach with how we can all become better in this industry and why we're all in it in the first place, that we're in here for service and you know we should be educating the masses that it's not some competition between trainers, which we talk about. And I love that part of the conversation. Um, you know, we talked about how maybe this industry is one of the most insecure ones out there. And that was really great to hear his perspective and take on. So yeah, I thought this was a great conversation. It really was. So guys, please keep listening and really enjoy this one. Uh, If you do like what you're hearing, please uh, comment, like, and share so that somebody else can really benefit from what Jordan has to uh, offer. All right, guys. So uh, enjoy. somebody too they were like they were like so tell me jordan syatt like somebody who doesn't know in the fitness industry and i'm like yeah it's gary v's trainer and my friend was like i, I don't who's gary v i was like you are you you're killing me right now <laughs> like i do not know who gary v is <laughs> i can't help it's, you <laughs> it's funny because when i when i got the job coaching gary i needed to figure out a way to explain the magnitude of it to my mom because she didn't know who gary was and um <laughs> And I was like, mom, imagine if Oprah Winfrey asked me to coach her. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> you coach Oprah? No, mom. It's, it's Gary. No, it's a guy named Gary, but you don't know who he is. So I had to explain it in a way you understood. <laughs> <laughs> 
that so where where are you with that now? I think the last thing I saw was that you were kind of splitting the role with someone else. Yeah, so uh, actually, so Gary's first coach, Mike Vacanti, is my best friend in the world, and uh, and so we were going to split it up three months and three months, but I eventually just got to a point where I had just coached him every day for three years, like literally seven days a week, three years straight. And I was like, honestly, guys, I'm pretty much done if that's cool. And they're like, yeah, totally fine. So now Mike is coaching him until March, 2021. Excellent. I, I'm, I'm sure this is affecting a lot of people. Uh, the whole COVID-19 and the quarantine, is this affecting the training with, with, Gary that that's you know for whenever you know yeah 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 I, I still I still talk to Gary like every week and oh, I yeah. talk to Mike multiple times a day um right now I mean Gary's quarantined so basically what he's doing is FaceTimes with Mike around 7 p.m every day they do a, a FaceTime workout he got some power blocks for whatever reason Mike and I thought we saw this coming about like a month and a half before it actually did. And so we started stocking up on home gym equipment and food oh, wow. and all that stuff. So we made sure Gary had the equipment he needed. And uh, so he, he set for it. That's incredible foresight, which I think is what he's known for, isn't it? Thinking ahead. <laughs> exactly. <yep. laughs> like I saw this coming. This is going to do one of those rewind videos where he was like, I told you guys <laughs> two years ago that this was going to hit. <laughs> Like, yeah, you did. You called it. That's exactly right. well, That's I, exactly right. I really hope that he uh, he worked with some of his investments then as well, if he was able to tell with the gym equipment. I'm sure he did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He cares way more about that than he does about the gym. That's for sure. <laughs> Actually, it might be... I, I'm kind of curious, dude. Like with Gary, obviously, he's he's super busy. I can't even imagine how strapped that dude is with his time. What what are his like priorities from, from uh, the trainer perspective? Like how... How does he view fitness and like, how do you fit it into his schedule the way that it is before, uh, before COVID? It's, I mean, it's fucking brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal. His schedule is insane. If, if there was a comparison, comparative analysis to see if, uh, who was busy or him or the president of the United States, I wouldn't be surprised if it came out that Gary actually had a crazier schedule. Um, everything is, is in his schedule, like six months in advance, everything from, wake up around five or six in the morning all the way to the workout to his shower to uh traveling from his home to a work every like every minute is booked ahead of time like six months in advance like he has 15 minute meetings in his car uh if he's going to the airport and he doesn't have a phone meeting he'll have his employees ride with him i mean there were times where we'd go on private flights and he would literally bring his employees on the flight just so he could have a 45 minute with his employees on the flight and then so when they landed the flight would pin and take his employees back um, just so they could have that time together because they wouldn't be able to be on a phone call or something. So, I mean, the, the amount of time that he has available is, is none. It's insane. So we always get the workouts done in the morning, but he doesn't give a fuck about how he looks. He doesn't care about having a six pack. He just wants to feel good. Like that's it. He just wants to be mobile. He had, when I, the reason that I got the job is because I have a background in uh, automobility and pain reduction. It's not what I emphasize in my content, but that's really how I got started in all this uh, at a very young age. And so um, Mike, Mike Vacanti, my friend, he, the reason he found my work in 2012 is because I wrote an article on how to improve your posture if you work at a desk. And he followed me ever since. Mm. And then Gary had a bunch of neck pain and hip pain and back pain. And Mike recommended me to Gary. That's how I ended up getting the job. 
And then, uh, uh, really it was just working on his soft tissue, working on his mobility, getting him out of pain. That's really what we focused on for three years. And I have some posts down my feed of like, uh, he, he was a mess. Like it was, it was pretty insane how, how limited his movement was. You couldn't touch his neck without his, uh, with him shuddering in pain. Mm, uh, wow. his assistant only booked him on one side of the plane because he couldn't, uh, bend his neck to the other side. So in order to sleep on the plane and put his head against the plane, he could only be booked on one side. Um, he was in really bad shape. So mainly the focus was improving his mobility and just getting them feel good. I feel I asked that question because I, I feel like people can probably relate to that a lot, you know, because, uh, you know, at Tone House, I know we, we train with more elite uh, kind of I mean, it's like an elite conditioning studio. Right. But I always think to, you know, the person that isn't trying to be on the cover of men's health, per se, just wants to feel good. Right. Training for those types of reasons and has that desk job or like, how do you fit this into your busy schedule? I was just curious what the priorities were. I mean, it sounds like obviously to feel good. I think a lot of people can relate to that more than, you know, having a six pack per se. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think, I think what, what is very special about Gary though. And one of the reasons why I think he, he's, he's so good at what he does in general is he made it very clear. His he doesn't give a fuck about how he looks. He doesn't care about having a six pack. He was like, I just want to feel good. Like I want to make my day more enjoyable. I want to feel better. I want to be more mobile, blah, 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 all this other stuff. I think a lot of people say that, but they actually want to look like a fucking supermodel. Mm -hmm. And so they won't do what they need to do in order to look like a supermodel. And they get discouraged and sad and upset. And meanwhile, the reason Gary hasn't quit and he's trained every day for five years in a row now or more is because he doesn't care about that. Like literally he doesn't care. Like legitimately it's not a care of it. He doesn't mind how he looks. He just wants to feel good. And I think that's why he's been able to stay so consistent. And how do you track progress with that? I'm assuming you can ask him, are you in pain more or less? Do you feel good? But is there something that's objective that you're tracking with him? Well, for me, and Mike doesn't focus as much on this as I did. Mike, Mike's much more focused on strength and aesthetics, which is great. I think it's important. Uh, and that's what they're focusing on now. For me, I have hundreds, if not thousands of different pictures uh, and different measurements that I took, whether it was for hamstring mobility. Uh, I have one very famous one that really took off when I posted it. It was a picture of his, it basically testing his QL. Uh, his QL was fucked up. He couldn't, ha he had zero lateral uh, ability to bend laterally. Uh, and so we started doing some soft tissue work uh, and we started doing some mobility work for his QL. And we took like a, a three month progress photo of just his mobility. And it was so funny because mobility is not that sexy. It's not like the easiest thing to sell. Most people, sure. it's not something that most people care as much about relative to like abs or whatever. Um, and we posted this picture of him, like literally he was trying to laterally bend and he couldn't really get past 180 degrees. Like he was just straight up and down. Um, and then we posted the picture and he was very close to about uh, essentially like 90 degrees. He was very close to, uh, or 45 degrees from there. And uh, people were blown away. And it's crazy because I just keep these pictures and measurements just in my, in my camera database. I have a folder dedicated directly to him. Uh, I take measurements just sort of like at his, of his neck, of his hips, of his hamstrings, of his, QL, just various uh, ranges of mobility, his shoulders. I have a couple of tests that I do to see how his shoulder mobility is. And we sort of just keep track of that. If, if one, if, when we focus on one, if one starts to get not so good, then we'll, we'll go back to it. But it's really just about sort of constantly managing it. Okay. Well, congratulations to the coach. That sounds extremely successful. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was a good three years. 
Uh, it was oh. funny when I first started my, my first day, Gary had like excruciating hip pain, like excruciating, excruciating hip pain. And he was like, I'm, I'll never forget this. He said, if all we do by the end of these three years is get rid of this hip pain, it will be worth it. And that was gone in about three months. So it was, it was really good. <laughs> nice. Hey, so this is you, I know you as uh, really through nutrition, but you have a very strong background. Uh, you're very successful within fitness as well. Um, do you feel like you connect with one more than the other? Say that one more time. Connect with fitness or nutrition, did you ask? Yeah. Um, I, honestly, I connect with both. I mean, I have a, a very, very long uh intense background in, in powerlifting. I competed in powerlifting for years, deadlifted four times my body weight. Um, that was like my life for a long time. And I think I work, the majority of the people I work with tend to be more focused on nutrition and developing a healthier relationship with food. Uh, but it, I relate to all of it. If there's a topic that I don't feel comfortable discussing in terms of my qualifications, like I'm probably not uh, if you were like, Hey, what do you think about foods to improve your gut health? I would say I'm not the fucking person to talk to. Like, I have no idea. Uh, I mean, I have an idea based on the people I trust, but I, that's not what I've studied. But in terms of fat loss, muscle gain, body recomposition, developing a healthy relationship with food, um, more balanced and strength training and conditioning, then I'm all of that. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Which I respect that very much knowing what you're good at and then referring, right? Which I think everybody can learn in this industry a little bit. Like this is outside of my expertise, but this person can definitely help you. Um, yo, I'm curious though, Jordan, like going from, from like an, from powerlifting, which, which obviously is like an advanced level of training. I see you as someone that's like a trainer for the people. Like that really talks to the person that is starting their fitness journey, doesn't know what to do, how to start. Like you do such a great job of, like uncovering some of the myths and getting people, I think, aligned with proper expectations. What was it that guided you towards that type of messaging and talking to to that audience versus, um, I guess, going towards the expert kind of power lifter? Uh, well, it's actually really interesting. First and foremost, thank you. I take that as a huge compliment because it's exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, if you go look at, cause I started my website in 2011, July of 2011, I started it. And if you go read my articles from that time period, all the way through, we'll call it probably 2015, you'll see a very different author, a very different writer and a very different style of content, which is probably much more focused on the quote unquote expert. But what I've realized is from my own personal experience, my own insecurities and what I went through is most of the people that I think are, who are writing to the expert are either coaches who don't know how to write to the people who really need it and or there are coaches who are insecure about what other coaches will say or think about them. So they end up making it more complicated than it needs to be. Mm. So a lot of times what coaches do is they try and write things in a way that sound impressive. They try and use words that other coaches may or may not know. They try and use words to make other coaches impressed with what they're saying rather than writing things to the actual client or person who needs it most. And what that does is it usually helps nobody and, uh, and really nobody benefits from it and people don't really engage much with the content. They don't really get any clients from it. 
and uh, they end up getting in stupid arguments with coaches over over minuscule things that don't matter anyway. So what I started to do is when I realized the mistakes that I was making, I stopped trying to impress other coaches. I stopped worrying about what other coaches thought about my content. And I started really focusing on putting out content that I knew would actually help people who needed it, the people who were seeking out coaches, seeking out advice. Because I always realized if people wanted to know these big terms, if people wanted to understand the chemistry of it, if people wanted to understand the exercise science, the physiology, the kinesiology, they would go to school for it and they would be my colleague, but they're not. In the same way that I don't know legal terminology, I hire a lawyer because they went to school for it, that I'm not going to understand the terminology they use with each other. So this, I, I try and speak to people in a way that they can understand because that's what they need. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's really great. Because I was, I was going to ask this. I was going to ask, you know, I guess I was going to say a lot of people that I end up working with or a lot of people, at least with the nutrition, they're like, man, Jordan has such a great message, but we're saying the same thing. And everyone, you know, they say that I'm just like Jordan. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I get what you're saying. You know, a lot of people have the same message. But I don't know if you feel this way that, um, you know, you you can say, yeah, we all say the same thing, but I'm different because. And it sounds like it's this vulnerability kind of thing that you are, you're showing through content. You're showing yourself more and you think that maybe there's other professionals out there that are, you know, un unable to really show their, their personality. And I think your personality comes through. Um, but I guess my question here is, what is it that you really feel like separates you specifically from other coaches, whether it be in fitness or it, it be in nutrition? I, I think there's a lot. I think the first thing that I have to say is uh, from a content creation perspective, it's, it's practice above all else. There hasn't been a day that I haven't created some form of content since July 11th, 2011. A hundred percent truth. Like I've whether it's a website article or a Facebook post or a tweet or a YouTube video or a podcast or a post on a website that doesn't even exist anymore. Whether it's photography or clout or whatever. Like I've been what on those? So that's what, like <laughs> everything. Random websites that don't even exist anymore. I've been posting content for years every single day, and it's a skill. And being able to express yourself through either written word or spoken word, camera podcast, video, Instagram, stories, Twitter, whatever. It's a skill and it takes time and I'm always trying to improve. And I think that the most, the biggest advantage that I have on most coaches is that I spend a lot of time trying to improve. I've studied copywriting for years. I've studied writing. Um, I've studied, uh, I've studied actors. I've studied acting. I've studied like learning how to be on camera. I spend a lot of time doing that in addition to actually learning how to be a good coach because you could be a great coach and help one person individually, but if you can't express yourself for the masses, if you can't express yourself for large amounts of people to see you, then then you're not going to help as many people as you could. And I think it's mm -hmm. a blessing, and I think it's extraordinary to help one person. I think that that in and of itself is is one of the greatest things you could do in the world. For me personally, my goal is to help as many people as I can, and that comes through in trying to reach many people through social media. Um, so with that being said, I think one of my greatest faults, one of my greatest uh, mistakes was trying to post things based out of an insecurity of my own. So I would post things to try and get more likes or post things to try and get other coaches to like it or post things to try and get be more impressive rather than post things to purely, solely, legitimately help people. That was it. My sole purpose was to help. That was it. That was the only goal of it. And when I made that switch, that's when my content started to hit. Most people, consciously or not, 
And I think a lot of them are unconsciously doing it. They're posting things with the intent to get more likes, with the intent to get more clients. And so that's when you see people starting to copy my style of content, but they're actually, they're, it's sort of, they only see, it'd be like if someone in the gym and I, I'm sure, I coached in gyms for years. I'm sure anyone who's coached in a gym for probably more than two years has noticed this. If you're a coach in a gym, you're, you've probably seen someone doing your workout that you're doing with a client who's just following <laughs> along in the background. Right. And you, like, you know what they're doing and like, they're not hiding it that well, but you're like, it's not even going to be that good for them. Number one, cause they're not getting the coaching. They're not getting the technique cues. They're not getting the fixes. It's not individualized for them. And this might not be anything close to what they need, but they're still following along. So when coaches sort of try to copy my content, I don't really get mad because they're missing the principles. They don't understand the, the ground, the, the found work, the, the groundwork and the foundation of it. And so it sort of just comes across as this like cheesy mimic when in reality, if they were more okay with putting out whatever was true to them and really, really was focused on helping people, it would come across way better. Whew. Preach. Jordan, that was amazing. You're absolutely right, man. I think that we forget that we're in, we're supposed to be in service. And we've been having this conversation a lot with, with some of our guests in the past very recently. I love what you said earlier, and I want to bring this back, where you were like, look, if, these, if, if people that we were working with wanted to really become experts on this, they would be our colleagues. And I, I think about the the example of, you know, that's exactly what you said. That's why we have, if you don't know finance and how to manage your money, where do you go? You go to a financial advisor, right? You go to the expert because we can't know as individuals everything, right? So that's what we're here for. And I don't know what it is about the fitness industry that breeds this, this like insecurity. I think when you're starting out with whether it be young trainers or the sense of competition or having to one up each other instead of putting the focus on the community that we're trying to serve. I think, I think a lot of people are going to get mad at me when I say this, but I think the fitness industry is, is arguably the most insecure industry in the world. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and if you look at it from the perspective of why do most people start going to the gym? Most people start going to the gym because they're insecure with who they are and how they look. And, and I think most coaches become coaches because they started working out because they were insecure with who they are. Then they found the gym they found something they either were really good at or found a way to make themselves more secure in themselves. Mm. And then they, they're like, I like this so much. I want to help other people do it. But if you look at that foundation, it's starting from people who are insecure with themselves to begin with and thought the way to get better with that was to change the way they look. So, I mean, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but it's just what I think. And it, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's true. I think there's a, it's one of the reasons why I decided I, a long time ago, I won't, uh, date anyone seriously in the fitness industry. Cause I kept finding that even though I, I very much believe and this is going down a different rabbit hole that the best, uh, partners in life, like a uh, relationship partner, uh, husband, wife, whatever. It's not so much about your interests. It's about your core beliefs and morals and ethics. You can have different interests and be a great partner. You can have the same interests and be terrible partners. I see a lot of people in the fitness industry they'll date myself included. I dated people in the fitness industry because we had the same interests, but our morals and ethics and beliefs were different. And that doesn't build a foundation for a good relationship. And going back to the actual conversation, I think this industry is a very insecure industry for both the men and the women equally. I think everyone is equally insecure. And I think that's why we end up seeing this like very, uh, short term, this very, um, this mindset of, 
it's this lack of abundance mindset, right? Where like no one wants to share someone else's word. God forbid they take their clients. Everyone is like, okay with all of a sudden plagiarism is okay in this industry because like in the name of trying to get their name out and look better. I see more plagiarism in the fitness industry than anything else I've ever seen in my life. And it's almost like, well, well, I, I don't know. Like it's on Instagram. It doesn't count. Like what the hell are you talking about? And I think it's a very, very, insecure industry and it's built on the foundation of insecurity and it sells on the foundation of insecurity. Mm. I think you're right that you might get some hate for it, but I think the majority of trainers and other people within the industry are kind of, they would listen to this and they'd kind of nod in the background a little bit and they'd be like, yeah, you're right. They have to be called out in their bullshit a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I know from the nutrition side as well, and there's a lot of people that are dietitians that struggle with binge eating, that struggle with, uh, you know, restriction. Uh, and we all want to be able to help uh, someone that maybe is like us, that has the same type of problems. Um, isn't that, you know, us being empathetic? I think it's perfectly fine for us to want to do that kind of thing, but yeah. it comes out a different way. And that's something I think that Jordan Syatt does a really good job of, though. Again, it's this vulnerability. You're like, fuck it. Let me just show you exactly who I am. Let me share my dark secrets with you because then you're going to share more with me. And that really opens up communication and trust. Uh, you know, they just like you and they want to pass things on. Hey, li you know, listen to this guy. Look at this guy. He's really trying to help you out. And I still think that's something that people have a hard time getting over. Um, and you've just done such a good job of it. So really congratulations on what you've built. When have you realized that you, I don't know if I want to say that you've made it or when have you kind of realized that you're like, oh shit, like I'm, I'm on top here. I realize that I have a lot of followers. I realize that people are really kind of taking in what I'm saying. Was there, was there that tipping point for you? Man, I, I I appreciate it. I am nowhere near where I want to be, and I still feel like I'm I'm nothing. Uh, I I think that's probably one of my advantages is that like I'm just I'm super hungry. Like I'm really really hungry, and like I I know there's so much more out there. It's one of those things like sort of when a client first starts going to the gym and they've never been before and like, ah, I don't know, this might not be for me. Then they deadlift for the first time and like it's a heavy kettlebell and you're like, you just lifted a hundred pound kettlebell and they're like, what really? And in your head, you're like, yeah, I mean, it's really not that heavy, but they're stoked about it and they're super excited. And then they go to the barbell, they do 135 and they see someone doing 225 and then they work for it for two years and they get 225. But then they're like, when they get 225, they're like, but this isn't even that cool. Like I want to do 405. And it's like, for me, the more that I do, the more that I see there is that I can do. And that, like the more that I can accomplish and the more people I can help. Like, I remember when I was like, Oh man, if I hit a hundred thousand people on Instagram, then, then like, that'll be it. But once I got a hundred thousand people on Instagram, I was like, there, there's millions more people. Like I can do so much more than this. Yeah. And there's too many more opportunities. So it's like, I, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, not even close. And I, that comes from the foundation of really knowing that, I mean, if I keep going, I, I don't know the limit for myself or for anybody that like, there's so much opportunity which is one of the funny parts that I see these people, they have this, this lack of abundance mindset. They have like, well, we need to be very, uh, like, uh, what's the word? They need to be very, uh, I forget the word. I don't even know. They, uh, controlling and make sure they have, uh, all of my clients under, under my roof. And this is mine. It's like very territorial is the word. It's like, I don't care. I'll share great information from every coach. I'll, I'll, I don't mind. Cause I know there's, 
there's not a lack of people in this world who want fitness mm-hmm. help. And as long as you're willing to put in the work and help people for free, they'll find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's completely true. I think that's a, that's an overlapping uh, theme or at least trait of a lot of people that we've talked to that are very successful is that they, that they find that they're just consistently hungry. I'm always thinking on the other side, and I've mentioned this before on this podcast, that one of my biggest fears in life is just not having enough, um, or rather, not it's not that I'm having enough, but um, that nothing is enough, and that I'm, ev- I'm going to keep going and you know, keep trying to drive and find that next thing, and I'm never able to actually feel content. Do you, do you think that that's something that you feel? Are you on, do you ever kind of feel that way, or is, there, you know, is it all positive for you? What do you mean? Is it all positive? What do you mean? Yeah, no, that's, it's good to throw it back because I feel like it's, um, do you think that it's like, no, no, everything I'm working towards, like everything is good for me. Nothing has kind of, you know, relationships have kind of stayed intact this whole time. Um, me trying to put like, uh, business first or fitness first or Mm -hmm. myself first, has that, you know, shown any kind of negative side at all to you? Um, or do you think that you've done it in a certain way that, um, you know, has just been positive. I mean, I, I think I've had many negative experiences in my life through my, my focus on what I do. Um, I, I, the, I think it would be a huge disservice and very disingenuous for me to be like, Oh yeah, everything I've done has just had positive effects. Like, no, of course not. Like me working so super hard on my business has led to, uh, fallouts with friends, uh, people who felt like I wasn't paying enough attention to them. Uh, and they were probably right. I probably wasn't paying enough attention to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's probably because not probably it is because I was more focused on, uh, on a vision that I had. And that was what was important to me. And who's to say who's, who's right or wrong other than that was my focus at the time. And I think if, if they had stayed around and, and continued to build resentment towards me, that would have been the wrong move. So, I mean, every decision you make has pros and cons and positives and negatives to it. I don't think there's any successful business owner in the world who's kept all of their relationships intact and positive throughout their career. I think that's sort of part of the the nature of not just doing business, but doing life. As you grow and get better, some people will grow with you and some people will grow apart from you. And that's totally fine. Uh, I've said no to some opportunities and I've said yes to some opportunities. I mean, um, when I got the job coaching Gary, uh, I, I left Israel. I was living in Israel. I had an apartment on the beach in Tel Aviv. I was with my family in Israel and I thought I was just going to be living there forever. I literally thought I was just going to be living there forever, learning Hebrew and all that. And, uh, it was a very difficult decision for me to come to, to coach Gary. And I had the idea that when I was done coaching Gary, I would immediately, literally, I would be done coaching Gary on May 31st, 2019. And I thought on June 1st, 2019, I would be on a flight back to Israel and just through life and circumstances and meeting a new girl and everything that didn't happen. But I mean, I very often think back to what would have happened if I didn't take that and would I be happier in Israel with like, uh, maybe my business wouldn't be as further along. I would still have 2000 followers on Instagram, but maybe I'd be happier and more fulfilled. I, I have no idea. I'm going off on a rant right now, but I think for every decision we make, there's pros and cons, positives and negatives. And, uh, I, I could not be, be more blessed and lucky and fortunate with many of the things that have happened to me, but I, it would be very disingenuous if I were to lead anyone along and say that my decisions haven't negatively impacted me or other people as well. 
So let me, let me jump in here because I, I think we're dancing around this and I want to, I know what Ryan is asking too. And I heard Tim Ferriss ask this question Okay. and I thought it was fascinating. So Tim Ferriss and Brene Brown had this conversation and I've been thinking about this a lot and I think it's where you're going. He basically said, he's like, so how do you have this insatiable hunger, this complete drive for ambition and wanting to expand and improve yourself without being um, without uh, having it come from a place of like lack or not enough, right? Like I'm never satisfied. But then how do you also balance being humble and being content with where you are without it turning into being lazy and not pushing yourself, right? So still having self-love. I feel like it's this line that you walk of having hunger, but having contentment. Like Jordan, do you have thoughts on that? Like how do you balance kind of between the two, keeping your hunger while still being content maybe with where you are. And Jordan, before you answer that, Joe, thanks so much, man. I really Is appreciate it. Yeah, I, I really it? appreciate putting that out. <laughs> I feel like you put that into the perfect <laughs> yes. I was like, damn, I was reaching. But you know what? Jordan answered exactly what I wanted to. I thought it was really great. And you put it into <laughs> the question I needed to. <laughs> That's why I'm here. So, <laughs> with the assist. And I'm still probably going to screw up the answer. But uh, I think there's a number of things. I think number one, I would say... Um, I have a major, I have a number of major advantages. The, I think the first major advantage is that I come from a family of very little money. We had serious money issues growing up uh, and I did not have a lot of extra stuff at all. My parents were, uh, they did not have a good marriage. They divorced uh, and they had serious unbelievable blowout fights about money. Uh, it was always, there was always a money problem in my house. And, uh, I, I say this all the time. I say, if I lost everything, like if I lost everything that I had, I could live on the beach in a cardboard box and I'd be okay. Like I, I don't need a lot. I don't need much to live. I'm not driven by making more or having fancy stuff. I don't buy fancy stuff. I don't like fancy stuff. I feel, I remember one time my mom took my brother and I out to a fancy dinner uh, in New York city when we were little kids. Um, we were very little. She wanted to do something nice for us. I think it was for my brother's birthday or something. And I remember walking into this fancy restaurant and everyone was dressed up and we did not, we were not dressed up at all. And I remember asking my mom if we could leave and she's like, why? She's like, this is a really nice restaurant. I was like, I feel like we don't belong here. Like I have this weird, deep-seated, deep, deeply rooted feeling that I just don't like that stuff. It, and it doesn't mean it's wrong. It just it doesn't sit well with me. So I've always said I could lose everything. I could lose every penny I've had, everything I've built, and I could get off social media and I could still be very happy and fulfilled. And I think it's a big advantage because I'm not doing this to impress more people or to make mm-hmm. more money. I think the other advantage is I'm really doing this because I actually, I love it. And I really want to help people. And I think a lot of people say that to sound self-righteous and pretentious. I'm not doing it for that reason. I promise I'm doing it just because I really love it. Like I really enjoy it. And it's one of the reasons why I can wake up every day and do it. When people are like, well, don't you want to take a vacation? I'm like, no, the reason I don't want to take a vacation is because I love what I do. I love making content. I love doing this. I love putting out free information. I love answering DMs. I love texting thousands of people a new workout every day. Like I enjoy it. I don't know why, but I do. It's how I'm hardwired. I think that's my advantage. And it's the same message that we give to our clients. If you don't follow a diet or a nutrition protocol that you like or enjoy, you're not going to be consistent with it. If you don't follow, uh, if you don't do something you love, then it won't be sustainable. So I think the reason I can still be hungry for it is, is because it's coming from a place of, I actually really enjoy this. 
I connect with that a hundred percent because there are so many times where I also, I feel guilty because I, I have a young daughter. I've talked about her on this, on this podcast a couple of times and I feel guilty sometimes when I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know if I really like need to go away on a vacation. Like I kind of like waking up early. I like taking care of the things that um, are going to drive my little business moving forward. Right. I love that. And then when, you know, there's a holiday or going to hang out with friends at like a random kind of gathering. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'd rather be kind of working on that. That was on my mind. That was exciting. Yeah. I feel guilty. And then all of a sudden I'm, I feel like I, you know, I'm doing something wrong. And and then I'm like, no, 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 I guess I'm, I'm just in the wrong business then because I shouldn't be doing that. But it's really the other way around. And you're and you're kind of saying that too, Jordan. And I think that's a really hard balance for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who want to work hard in the in in any industry, I guess. Right. And, you know, that 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 passion family is balance is what I call it sometimes. It's not like a work-life balance. It's a passion family balance. How do you actually mm. balance both of those things without, um, you know, one kind of fall on the wayside? Well, it's, I think that's hard. I think they all kind of align when you are maybe in the place that you're supposed to be in. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. Like I love, I hope people really listen to that Jordan, because I think it's such an important thing for any industry, just whatever you're doing. I think it's an, a good indicator that if you feel like for instance like when I used to work in healthcare I used to dream about taking a vacation like I need time off right now I'm stressed out versus where I'm at now I mean I feel the same way of what you described I'm I'm happy with what I'm doing I feel great so it's not about work life balance like your work is your life you know it all marries and seems to align with each other and that to me is this indication that you're where you should be right and that's a sustainable thing it can yeah. fuel your career then. It can fuel your mission because you have staying power, right? That's what I'm hearing from you, Jordan. It's like you're you're where you should be. So you have this energy to be able to create the content that you do because you're not tapping into some, I need daily motivation to keep this going. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. I've always said, I was like, the day that I wake up that I don't enjoy it, I'll stop. Like when I, if, when I, and it's not even if, I would imagine there will be a day when I'm like, I don't want to deal with these fucking Instagram trolls anymore. I'm done. <laughs> like there, that will, that day will likely come probably when I have some kids or when I'm like, who knows when it will happen. Maybe it won't. Maybe I'll just always enjoy being really nice to the Instagram trolls and watch them sort of just be like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> it's yeah, like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, but if I no longer enjoy it, I will no longer do it. And, uh, and that's just that. It's a powerful place to be, man. That is a powerful mindset for real. I, I dig it. Um, yo, Jordan, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, man. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of change routes here, but I know you spent some time at Westside Barbell and I like, I love this place. I've studied a lot from them, um, with their training methodology. I think, I mean, they're brilliant. I saw their documentary on Netflix, which was insane, but I, I didn't know until Ryan told me that you sought Westside out to, to learn from that facility. Is that true? Did you hunt this place down? To yeah. Learn? Yeah. I did that a number of times throughout my career, starting at 14 years old. I got my first personal training job at 14 because I asked a gym in a nearby town if I could just come and intern and take the trash out and clean the floors. And they said, yes. And when I was, uh, 21 years old in college, I was obsessed with Louis Simmons. I was like at that, when I was in college and 21 years old, Louis Simmons and, and, and Westside barbell 
they were the pinnacle of strength and conditioning. And, and I still consider Louis the godfather of, of strength and conditioning in the U.S. because I would say at least 80 to 85% of the knowledge that we have around strength and conditioning wouldn't exist here if it wasn't for him. Uh, for many reasons, I don't think many people know about how like the history of how a lot of the, the Soviet strength secrets came into the United States. It was actually Louis who brought them here, he had them translated. Um, but I was in my dorm room in college. I just, I, after high school, I took a year off and I traveled for a year. I went to Israel for a year and I loved it. I almost joined the Israeli defense force, but I, my mom said she would fucking kill me if I joined the Israeli defense force. So I came back and I went to school and, um, and I hated it. I hated school. I hated the teachers. I hated the kids. I hated everything about it. And I was just obsessed with Louis Simmons. I was watching his YouTube videos and he was, he was like, had me in a trance. I feel like Louis does this with a lot of people when he talked about his dynamic effort method and max effort method and putting chains and bands and all you, it's like, you just, you get in a trance. You're like, this sounds fucking amazing. It's like, it's incredible. And so I remember I wrote him an email and I was like, Louis, uh, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Just let me come train with you. And his response I, I verbatim was our weakest guy squats 800 pounds. What do you have to offer? <laughs> and, uh, and I remember I was 20, 20 or 21 years old sitting in my college dorm room. And I'm knowing Louie, I mean, tattooed head to toe, been to prison, like very hard guy, like, like totaled elite in five different weight classes. I was like, I can either be very polite or I can be fucking unbelievably aggressive right now. <laughs> so I went very, I went very aggressive with it. And I basically said, I don't give a fuck what you do or what your lifters do. I'll come in there and I'll work harder than every single one of you. And, uh, and then I didn't know it at the time, uh, or I or must've forgot, but I had my cell phone number in the signature of my email. So I got a call the next day from an unknown number in Columbus, Ohio that I just ignored. I just, it, it didn't click. I didn't know who it was or why they were calling. And so I was walking out of the dining hall and I got a voicemail from Louis Simmons and I still have the voicemail on my phone to this day. I'll never delete that voicemail. Um, and basically it was like, Jordan, it's Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. I want you to, I want to hop on the phone and talk with you about coming to train here. <laughs> and, um, I went to visit and, and that's the reason why I didn't drop out of college is Louis. Uh, he was the reason I didn't drop out of college. He, I ended up training there for almost four months over that summer. My total increased by 300 pounds between the squat, bench press, and deadlift. Uh, it was the first time I deadlifted triple body weight. And then, um, and everyone at Westside, all the lifters were very much encouraging me to drop out of school, to stay at Westside. I was very close to getting a Westside uh, tattoo on my stomach, which I'm very glad I did not. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, because Louis got that bulldog West Side tattoo with the barbell on his stomach, and I was like, I'm going to get that as sort of a as a <laughs> to show my loyalty to Louis, and I'm just very glad <laughs> looking back that it's not. And uh, and that was it. And so I was there for four months. And Louis, the reason I I didn't stay there, and the reason I came back is because Louis said, I want you to finish your time out in college. I want. He's like, people won't let me speak at their universities, even though he's one of the smartest people in the world. He was like, he's like, I'm tattooed head to toe. I've been to prison. Um, I, I didn't graduate college. Like I, I'm not what people like to have come to their schools to speak. Mm. He said, I want you to go back and I want you to get your degree and I want you to teach people the right way to lift. And, uh, that's literally why I finished college is, is wow. because Louis, he took me under his wing. He let me come to Columbus, Ohio. He took me out for every day for breakfast and lunch. He let me take his certification for free. I trained with him 11 times a week. He took my total, he added 300 pounds to it in a little over three months. Like I owed him everything. And so I was like, all right, I'll go to school and finish. Wow. 
Also, did you just say 11 times a week? <laughs> 11 times a week. Yeah. We trained uh, two times, four times a week and three times one uh, and one time, three times a week. So, um, <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. It, every day at 8am we had our first session Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And then our second session was at three or 4pm. And then we would have a, another GPP session on Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Holy cow. No wonder you had to study pain management. <laughs> Yeah, oh man. <laughs> Everything <laughs> hurts all the time. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I, I kinda wish you got that tattoo, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> oh man. Maybe there's, there's, there's been so many moments in my life in which I, I was at a fork in the road and I'm very glad that I took the left fork on that one. Uh, it could have been a very good place to go down. <laughs> Maybe do it for uh, Louis's birthday, just like a nice little fake, <laughs> fake tattoo. Yeah. Oh, to Louis! <laughs> do you ever head 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 back over there at all? I've been back one time, actually, one time uh, when I went to Columbus with Gary. I made sure to meet up with them and, and say hello. Uh, I still talk to Louis occasionally. Uh, the main guy who runs everything now is Tom Barry. Tom actually, his first day was my first day. He. He was a teacher in Waterford, Ireland. He was a professor and he sold everything. He, he quit his job, sold his car, sold his apartment, sold all of his belongings, came from Ireland to Columbus, Ohio and started the same day that I started. And now he essentially owns Westside and he runs everything. So I talked to him pretty frequently. Mm, got it. It's a pretty common story with Westside from what I understand. This whole, I just want to be a part of this. So I'll live out of my van if I have to. Just how can I be a part of this facility? I mean, it. That's oh, yeah. about the it, place in itself. It, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. I mean, they, it's not like a gym that they don't have a sign over the door. You don't know where it is. The only reason you know where it is is because Louie told you the address. Uh, and it's in an industrial park in the middle of Columbus, Ohio. Um, the cops don't go by there. The cops don't go over there because, I mean, it's it's not a, a safe place to be. <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh, the, the, the lifters are the weakest guy squats 800 pounds. Like their weakest guy squats 800 pounds. And that was when I was there like seven, eight years ago now. Um, it's, and, and I'll say like, I, I consider everyone there like my family. They, it, they would die for me and, and I would die for them. They were, it was the, the loyalty there, the brotherhood there is unlike anything I've ever seen before. Uh, and I think people really crave being a part of something like that. Um, I think it's very, um, very instinctual. It's something that I think a lot of us would like to have in our lives, but we don't uh, for a variety of cultural and societal reasons at this point. But I think having a, a brotherhood, uh, a family that close that you would be willing to die for is not something you see very much nowadays, especially with so much. Uh, there's a lot of people who are more fake and they, they don't really they don't show you who they really are for, you know, a lot of the interactions are online to see the same people every day, multiple times a day, you have one goal of getting as strong as humanly possible and you do anything for them is, it was a, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Mm. I think there's something to that. I mean, it's such a powerful, it's one of the biggest reasons why I even love the fitness industry in general is when you do find that melting pot where you have such a strong community. I mean, that's what attracted me to tone house. Jordan was like that same kind of aura of you feel like you have a sense of family. Like that's one thing as like a coach, and even through this podcast, like I'm trying to help people understand when you talk to someone that maybe doesn't exercise on the regular, that that to me is like the best benefit of this entire thing is that I do not care 
what your training goals are aesthetically performance wise. Like even if you didn't care about that stuff, the simple fact that you have this place to go where you have people working towards a common goal and supporting each other is one of the most incredible things that I think you can have into your life. Like if there was one thing that I wish people understood about training, I think that would probably be it. I agree a hundred percent. Absolutely. And Jordan, is this, is this what you try and build in your, in your business? I know that you, that you have the inner circle and you bring a lot of these people together. What's, what are, what are a few things? Maybe what are two things that people would say, you know, the way that you are talking about West side, the way that Joe is talking about tone house, what is it that you maybe know people say or hope people are saying when they spend time in your inner circle? Oh, that's a wonderful question. I would say, um, above all else, I would say that I hope they know that they have a community of people who are there to encourage them, to support them, to push them to be better, uh, to be honest with them when they need it, to hold them accountable when they need it, um, to motivate them when they need it, and also a community in which they can contribute and do the same for others, which I think is equally important uh, to feel not only that you're supported, but to feel that your, uh, your role is also to support those who need it as well. Uh, so I, I, I think the, it, the workouts, the nutrition, uh, the video courses, all that stuff, I think they're great. I think the best part about it is the community. And I think that's really why people probably stay. I mean, there are a number of people who, uh, <laughs> it was funny. We had our first annual retreat last year and one of our members to teach, uh, he got up and he was talking in front of the whole crowd and, and he was like, I just want you to know. I've never done a single workout in the inner circle. I joined September 2017. I haven't done one. I haven't done a single one, but I love this community. And I was like, that's good enough for me. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that really speaks to a lot of professionals in the industry that have the know-how. They're like, I know how to train you. I know how to help you lose weight. I know how to do this because I studied this. And this is something, especially Jordan, you, you might actually get, um, I don't know if you can kind of comment on this, but probably with dietitians, right there. I think dietitians like I went, I did, I did this many years of school. I studied all of this. I know this and you didn't, therefore you shouldn't speak on it. But the reason I, (laughs) right. So I, I think that, you know, we, we don't own that as, you know, uh, as a nutrition professional, just as someone who may have, you know, whatever certification in weightlifting. I think that the, that the personal side of it, well, you know, if someone's spent years working with people and getting to know people and knowing how to apply that to the people, well, then why wouldn't we listen to them? Right. There's so much to learn from that. Get your nose out of a book and just talk to the people. Right. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I would 100 percent agree with that. I think a lot of it comes again back to that. The insecurity and the scarcity mindset that I think one of the reasons someone would go out of their way to say you didn't study this. So don't speak on it is not that doesn't come from a place of confidence. Oh, that, that is scared, right? When, when you're, and this is one of the reasons why freedom of speech is so important. Uh, when you're trying to silence someone, it's done out of fear. When you're trying to silence someone else, you're never doing that from a place of positivity or a place of confidence. You try to silence someone because there's fear there. So when someone's trying to silence someone else and in using, well, I have a certain, a certain degree and you don't, it's like, okay, well then in that case, let your degree speak for itself. And how about we both talk and people can decide for themselves who they agree with or who, who makes the most sense or see who will help the most people. Mm. Like trying to silence someone is a dictator. It's not a teacher. 
True. Yeah. And I, the biggest thing, because let me just backtrack on this whole thing of like, Hey, if you have the experience then you're good to go. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to play a little bit of a different role here too, because I definitely believe that, that people who don't have a degree in something have a lot of knowledge to share. But the one thing that I get really afraid of in the industry is someone who's going to bullshit people and that they're going to harm someone or they're going to steer someone in the wrong direction. And so there are people out there that maybe do have the experience working with someone, but they've done it in a way that I think maybe not be, that might not be so helpful or dangerous to people. Jordan, I think that you do it the right way. I think that you do it in a safe way. I think you do it from a place of caring and empathy and not everyone does that. So um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like you have that degree. I know in my mind, I'm speaking completely for myself, but I, th- I feel like you have that degree in my mind and that's really cool because of where you're coming from with your information and then with your heart and, you know, with your ability. Um, so, you know, from, from one dietitian, you know, I just want to thank you at least, uh, for kind of being someone in the industry that, that, that we can kind of trust out there that kind of pushes a really good message. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you. And I think that's the whole bit of it, right? Is like, there are people who have zero degrees who do a great job and, and are very educated and speak well. And there are people who are doctors and people there, there are bad lawyers. There are lawyers who do things with bad intent. They do things the wrong way. There are doctors. You could have two people with the same doctor, the same degree and completely disagree on what the right form of treatment is. You have two nutritionists and they completely disagree. Uh, and so one will think one of is one of them is a charlatan and the other one will think the other one's a sham. And they both think that the other person is harming people. And, and I think that this is why more than ever, it's important to let everybody speak everybody has to have the right to speak their mind, no matter whether you disagree with them or not. And may, and yes, there are going to be people out there who are harming people, which is terrible. There be people, there will be people who take advantage of people. And it's one of the reasons why I fight so hard to spread the truth. Cause my job as a teacher, it's not to, it's not to tell you what to see. It's just to show you where to look. It's one of my favorite quotes. My job as a teacher is not to tell you what to see. It's to show you where to look. And it's one of the reasons why when coaches say, well, I don't want to put out content because we're all just going to say the same thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. the, one of the reasons you make content, it's not to just, it's not to educate people always. A lot of times it's to put out fires because other people are putting out content that's bad. It's misinformation. It's going to harm people. And some of your content is specifically done with the intent to help people understand the bullshit they're seeing on a daily basis is bullshit. So it's like, it's the number of messages that I get on a daily basis, screenshotting me saying carbs aren't going to make you fat followed up by someone saying carbs are actually going to make you fat is insane. I Mm -hmm. see it every day. People screenshot the post back to back. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's so important that and going on a whole different tangent here, but we have to make sure everyone has the right to speak their mind. Even if they're like not educated, even if they don't know what they're talking about, the, the foundational freedom to speak your mind is so unbelievably important. The consequences of going against it are, are too scared to even think about. But with that said, when you do have the power to speak your mind and you do have the education, regardless of whether or not you have a degree, then you use it to the, to the good of the people, use it correctly to teach them and empower them with the knowledge they need. 100%. I definitely agree with all that. On a lighter note, I love how you how you take all of this information. And again, you've been vulnerable and you've kind of shown your own side of it. Harry Potter. 
What is it? <laughs> I'm so curious. Harry Potter. You connected with Harry Potter. You shared it and people just loved it, right? So you're able to get all this information across that way. Did you try it in a different way? Did you did you try using like Pokemon and no one took? So you had to switch you had to switch <laughs> switch in a different direction? No, actually it's funny. So I've been obsessed with Harry Potter since I was a little kid, since it first came <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, I like my mom read all the books to my brother and I as a kid, like we were obsessed with it. I've read all the books a number of times. My girlfriend is literally reading uh, the first book right now. I'm like, I'm not requiring it, but I'm strongly encouraging it. She literally just poked her head in and she's laughing right here. She, we watched all the movies first. She came from a family that was like, not really for that stuff at all. So we watched the movies. She loved the movie. Uh, we watched the Broadway show, which was incredible. Um, but if you had asked me in high school, if I liked Harry Potter in my heart, I would have been bursting to talk about it and I would have loved it. But I, I remember vividly having conversations with friends being like, yeah, Harry Potter is so stupid. Only nerds like that. I was so embarrassed to admit it. And I think a lot of kids my age were, it wasn't cool to talk about Harry Potter. So I sort of hid that side of me. Um, and when I first started making content in 2011, in 2012, 2013, 2014. And that's when I was trying to impress other coaches. I wasn't actually being myself. So I never spoke about it. But once I actually started trying to help the people who needed it and started speaking from my heart, then those references just naturally came out uh, and people loved it. And it's so funny because I mean, I'll never forget. I got a message from a woman who she, she DM me. She was like, Hey, I don't know if you're going to see this, but I found one of your posts because of a Harry Potter hashtag. Uh, I, I, wasn't interested in fitness. I wasn't trying to lose weight, but I started following you and I've since lost 50 pounds. Come on. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, how cool is that? Like, how amazing is that? They found it because the, and the only reason they would read my post is because of the intermittent Harry Potter references from a house elf, Dobby, the house elf, Mad Eye, Moody, Albus Dumbledore, whatever it is. I put a <laughs> random reference in here and that's what kept her reading. And then she ended, ended up using the, the tips that I was giving and she lost 50 pounds. It was all because of a Harry Potter reference. Um, and so, I mean, I, I didn't try anything else. There wasn't anything else I was, I was interested in. Uh, but I mean, it ended up working out very, very, very well. <laughs> that's a really good story, man. Thanks for sharing that. <laughs> I mean, that's just another note on be yourself, connect with people in a real exactly, way. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, I really want to be fair with your time here. I know, um, we're kind of coming up on 60 minutes. Um, but I did, I did want to ask about, um, these really impactful challenges that you've done and I'm sure you've gotten some flack for and I'm, a lot of positive feedback, but the big, uh, the big Mac challenge and also the carnivore challenge. Um, what, where, where did those come from? Why, why did you do those? What is it about those that you felt was so helpful for people to see? First of all, thank you. Uh, the carnivore challenge, the final YouTube video will hopefully be up within a week or so. Um, but, so the Big Mac challenge was sort of happened by accident. Um, I, for a long time, for years and years and years, I've wanted to do that challenge uh, because I hated supersize me. Um, it, I, I hated it on so many levels. And I think it really caused a lot more harm than good. Um, and it was so biased, narrative driven. I really did not enjoy it. And so I wanted to do it for years. Uh, and I remember when I finally got a videographer, Rico Incarnati, who's, who's like family to me now. Uh, I was like, oh, we should do this. And we had come up with the idea that, okay, so uh, 
starting on September one, we'll start when I got, I went on vacation with my girlfriend in Israel. So I was like, all right, so when we get back, we'll start. And I was hoping that he forgot because I didn't want to eat a Big Mac every day for 30 days. I was hoping that he <laughs> forgot about it. Uh, and he reminded me when I got back from vacation, he was like, so we're going to start this uh, on, on the first. I was like, damn it. I was like, yeah, we'll start. Uh, and so we just started doing it. And the amount of attention it got within the first two or three days blew me away. Uh, just from posting on my stories. Like I got thousands and thousands of messages, a lot of positive and a lot of negative. And I was like very overwhelmed by it. Uh, but when I see something like that, I'm like, clearly this is, this is important. So I saw it through, I did it, I published it, uh, ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days. And that video has, um, I don't know, a lot of views on it right now on YouTube. And the overwhelming response has been so positive. Uh, I'm actually going to be giving a, a Ted talk on it. Uh, the little teaser for that. Um, but, but, uh, it was, and then from there I was like, wow, these challenges actually have a a lot of merit. There's something about challenges that people like watching. They like seeing, they like being a part of. So I, I did the carnivore challenge. Uh, that one, the carnivore challenge, that was more from the effect of, I see this being a big thing right now. I'm getting a lot of questions. I'm getting a lot of questions about the carnivore diet. Um, and I could just sit here and answer and say, I think this diet's really fucking stupid, or I could do it and show you why it's fucking stupid. And basically, I mean, I tried to do it as a, from an unbiased way as possible, but I mean, I did it for two weeks straight and I had the worst diarrhea I've ever had in my entire life. It was like the most, arguably one of the most awful experiences I've ever been through. And I think it's one thing to tell someone, well, based on the science, this is, is it's not a support in the literature. It's another thing to show them a video of you pooping and diarying every day. Great. Like this is what happens. And it's like, listen, there, there might be some people who this works well for. I don't know who you are, but this might, might be out there. So that's it. And like, I'd rather do it myself and show people than to just say, well, you know, looking at the literature, this isn't supported. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Talk about going out there and experiencing Listen, it. I'm just going to let it be known. This is the first time that diarrhea was mentioned on the show. Jordan, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Jordan, uh, this is this was really great. I really appreciate you sharing all of this, um, especially that last bit. Um, but, but, uh, really we, we look at you, I know I look at you, I've, I've seen you for a long time on Instagram and, um, have just followed you and been in awe by this kind of stuff you put out and the kind of people that you're really helping and the way you're doing it. So, um, I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I also want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I know that things are kind of crazy in this world right now. So putting that time aside, uh, I so appreciate that. Um, but, uh, I think we have one more question for you here. Got two questions, Jordan, real quick. We got, we got, uh, first of all, we would love to invite you to Tone House when we're back up and running. Uh, would you come train with us for a day out here? I would love that. Of course. Yes. And I, uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure when we'll be back, but I mean, I think I, I would imagine about two weeks or so we'll be back. So I'd love to just hit me up anytime. That'd be great. Amazing. It'll be fun to have you in here. Um, and then a question that I love to ask, cause I'm always so curious, what is, what would you say is the impact that you want to make on the fitness industry as a whole? Um, oh man, I would say, I, I think probably the, the most general way for me to put it would be, I want really to help, help people become critical thinkers. I want 
uh, I want coaches to be better critical thinkers about how they can be better coaches, how they can uh, impact people better. And I want the consumers to be better critical thinkers to, to find what works best for them, uh, to, to be able to see and consume information and be able to uh, critically analyze it on their own without needing, without necessarily believing everything they see and being able to, um, I would say, with the, well, being able to, from an educated standpoint, make their own decisions rather than trying to rely on someone else just spewing out random information. And that includes myself. I would rather, I want to teach people how to be critical thinkers, not just how to, to how to read, but how to analyze what they read. Love that. And I think you're doing a great job. That's what I get when I, whenever I see your content, to be quite honest. Um, Jordan, this was, dude, thank you. As, as Ryan said, this was a great conversation. It was awesome having you on. Thank you so much again. This was a pleasure. Thank you both so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Breakdown. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did receive some value from this episode, please remember to share with a friend, spread the word, and help us grow this podcast as we look to bring on even more guests onto the show and spread the mission of this podcast, which is bringing some clarity in this fitness industry and keep providing you guys with quality content. So please leave a review, a comment, subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all the other platforms. And until next time, guys, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you next time.